Hey Taxonomy Titans, before the episode begins, I just wanted to give you a little heads up that the sound quality is rough in half the conversation. We are tweaking our recording methods and it didn't work out too well this week. However, the episode is completely audible and you'll be able to hear all of the interesting animal info. As always, thanks for listening. The Ethiopian highlands are often called the roof of Africa, but the Tibetan plateau is called the roof of the world. The land here is tens of thousands of feet above sea level, and it's surrounded by some of the tallest mountains on the planet. Living and surviving in a place that regularly drops to negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit can be a challenge to the animals that live here. One unique mammal has found a way to team up with unsuspecting allies. Sometimes a reluctant and one-sided partnership is the best way a cunning fox can secure a meal in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal info for a 10th season. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about an animal that David Attenborough once called the most wonderful looking fox and also bizarre with a curious body. I guess a fox can be two things, but more on that but later. As w- More on that later because David Attenborough can be wrong. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> He's not infallible. He called the pika a rodent, which it is not. It's what is a lagomorph, like a, a bunny. Yeah, it's like a it's in the it's in the rabbit and hare family. A lago, so. lagomorphs will be, or rather, the pika, which is what we did before, we what, what we we've done that episode before, uh, is going to be an important element in this episode. A star player, a taxonomy titan, is one of the star players in this one. That's right. Uh, oh, I don't even think we've talked about what what we're talking about. We haven't. Well, in the intro, I say we're talking about a fox, but it, what okay. kind of fox is it? It's one. A... Well, what do you have something to say? It's a Tibetan fox. <laughs> <laughs> Tibetan. Tibetan. Sounds fox. fancy. Yeah. Okay, not fancy anymore. I like Tibetan. <laughs> it's the Tibetan fox. Uh, also known as the Tibetan sand fox, uh-huh. or just the sand fox, even though there is a sand fox, but that lives in Africa. Is that another so, name for the fennec fox? No, it's just a different fox altogether. It's which is automatically less cute because the fennec fox is the cutest thing on the planet. It is, but we're going to call it here on LDT the, the Tibetan fox. We're going to call it the Fat Cheeks Fox. Uh, Tibetan on bears for food. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Feralata Pikas to eat around here. Because the species is Feralata. Oh, that's good. I like that. I like that was a good batch. <laughs> Not really a nickname, just a pun. How many of those did Bibi come up with? Um, she helped me. Th- she said fat cheeks Fox for sure. <laughs> um, she, she thought of the idea to say, to use Tibetan as like betting. So I, I took it and ran with it. Okay. Thank you, baby. Um, but let's talk about where this thing taxonomizes. 
which is how I'm going to say it from now on. Okay. Um, the kingdom, you like it, you love it, you're in it, you know it, <laughs> you want some more of it. Uh, it's Animalia. That's the best kingdom. Um, except for the kingdom of God. It is the second best kingdom, I guess, we'll, we'll say. Animalia is. Um, the phylum is Chordata, because it has a spine. The class is Mammalia, because it has chitinous hair, although apparently other things can have chitinous hair, just like the Aimee mustache toad. It's not hair, but it's a chitinous it's, mustache. It's horns. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, it's mammalia because it lactates, um, and it's cute. Nothing outside of mammalia is cute, um, except for the Dumbo octopus. The order is You're carnivora. saying chitin. You meant... You meant um... Keratin. Keratin. Keratinous. Yeah. Yes, you're right. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Why do they have to be so similar? Scientists. Um, the order is carnivora. Because like I said on, before, only it seems only mammals can be carnivores. <laughs> um, Which isn't true. Fam- just taxonomy is weird. Yeah. There should be a carnivora in all of the, uh, all the classes in which... There are predatory species. Not necessarily, because it's already underneath mammalia, so it's the carnivore mammals. Yeah, but then why wouldn't you have, like, reptilia and then carnivora under that, and then you know it's a carnivore reptile? Because there's different reptiles. It's the, There's a whole bunch of different types of reptiles, and it's not neatly... And there's a whole bunch of different types of mammals. Yeah, but it's not neatly packaged. Like, I think all... Reptiles are a bit a little no. There are some iguanas that I think are just vegetarian. Yeah, and there are birds that are vegetarian, like the hoatzin. So every they got some. There's a reason to distinguish it. Anyway, I they didn't ask me when they decided to make the names for uh, these taxonomy categories. So uh, fault faults with them, really. Um, the family is Canidae because it looks like a dogish thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I like how it's uh, the family is the name is just based on what it kind of looks like. Like caniforms. It's the form um, of a canine. Kind of, yeah. Sure. It has four legs. A snout. And a face. Yeah. Um, the genus is Vulpes. So mind your Vulpes and Qs when talking about it. Okay. Uh, all, all true foxes are in the genus Vulpes. And the species, like I said before, is Feralata, which sounds like a Starbucks drink. That's true. Like a like a Frappuccino latte, Feralata. Um, but while we're in the business of naming things, let's talk about the best um, segment of the show. Which remains? Critter groups! Oh, you got in the way of my intro. I'm going to have to do it again. Critter groups! Oh my goodness. <laughs> Critter groups. There, I did it. We're good. Okay. Where I, Carlo, I, Carlos, ask you, Joe, a question. And the question is the same every time. What is the name of the collective noun for this animal? So, Joe, what is the collective name for a noun of the collective noun for foxes? That's what I meant to say. Um, is it A, a leash of foxes? Is it B, a clade of foxes? Is it C, a pack of foxes? Or is it D, a pounds of foxes um 
I'm leaning towards Clade and Pack. Pack is like the boring one that you'd expect that may or may not be real. Yeah, gotta have at least a couple of those in there. I'm going with Pack. Final answer? Yeah. Incorrecto, which is Nepalese for actually the answer was leash. Oh, that's ridiculous. And <laughs> I won't have it. Oh, come on. Leash is a good one. No, it isn't. It's when have you ever seen a fox boxes. on a leash? I don't know. Maybe they... Well, as I'm going to talk about later, they are monogamous. So they are leashed together. Ma- like ma- the, like matrimony. You, you thought taxonomy was arbitrary and bad. Wait, <laughs> get a load of animal group names. At least they can have fun with it. Like Pink Floydy. Right. I like it because you just never know. There's exactly. no way for it's you to use logic. It's absolute It's absolute randomness. Yes, thank you. Just like measure up. Anyway, let's talk about where it's this based thing on lives. on math, which is pretty concrete. <laughs> yeah, but it's the math is based on an estimate, which is a crapshoot. Not, 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 not unless you know like stuff about like regional geography... Um, <laughs> world records, you know. So you're so you're saying what you're saying is that it, unless you know the information, no, you can't guess the information. You can know something a little bit, like a little about the information. Like if you're if you're really good at topographical geography, you are pretty good at probably like ballparking the elevation of certain mountains. Well, then I I know exactly. Um, but you don't necessarily gonna... know the exact number. But you can make an educated guess. Whereas I need to just know the exact fact to get the critter groups right. Yeah, that's why it's better. Anyway, um, the, let's talk about where this thing lives. Okay. It only it only lives on the Tibetan Plateau. It is the Tibetan fox after all. Um, and if you don't know where the Tibetan Plateau is, it is a region of uh, the world that stretches from... Uh, northeastern Nepal, and then way into southwest China. You can see it from space. Can you tell? Really? Yeah, because it's a different color, because it's higher. Oh, than... yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge region. Uh-huh. It's like the Sahara Desert size. Um, and, and it's a very high evolution. <laughs> very high evolution. Evolution. Ele- elevation. There we go. Um, which is why it's a plateau. It's a big, giant mountain table. So let's talk about where this thing, or what this thing looks like, on top of that lofty plateau. Um, they look foxy, that's for sure, but their faces are pretty distinct. This is definitely the oddest-looking fox I've ever seen. Their fur is thick, and it gives them a rounded-looking face, kind of like an owl's or a Maine Coon's or something like that. It actually looks kind of regal. It has these, like, kind of slit eyes that give it a detached and disinterested expression, like it's, like it's, uh, like some sort of uh, king that's judging the people below him. I saw, I think, some comment somewhere where somebody said the Tibetan fox looks like a kid tried to draw a regular fox and it was close but not quite right. 
but they were trying they were asked to uh, draw a regular fox but they were given a picture of a tiger it looks like a cartoon version of a fox no cartoon versions of foxes have like longer like it, snouts like it and... looks really sly like like with its eyes slit like that it looks like it like you're really trying to bake slyness into the way the creature yeah. looks it's about as sly as it could possibly get Sly Fox Day. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 would have been my um, my family would the the family that I I taxonomized this thing into would be Sly Fox a day. <laughs> okay. Uh, so their fur, while thick, because you know they have to live up there near the Himalayas and stuff, um, it's they have a rufous, which is a reddish brown fur on their backs the top half of their faces, and their legs. Um, their bottom halves are gray with patches of white and black, so they are a calico fox. Interessante. But it really helps them blend into where they live, which is brown and gray rocks. <laughs> so, if you look at fox. If you look at other animals, like the uh, snow leopard, the... and the, um... Palace's cat, they all they all have the same kind of color palette, which is grayish and yeah, and that's like splotchy. speckled, splotchy gray. Because that looks that's where they live is yeah. this speckled, splotchy gray wasteland. <laughs> um, so the Tibetan fox has smallish ears, long bushy, um, long bushy tail like like a fox, um, but it almost almost kind of has a wolfish tone to it but it's a lot smaller than any wolf it is very yeah it's got like a very like short legs and a squattiness to it like my dog yeah it's a it's a it's a wolf version of yoshi <laughs> it's it's what he dreams about being one day he doesn't dream about being a full-size wolf even in his wildest dreams he's still like a short version of a wolf yeah, he's just him with wolf features on his face. Okay. Are you ready for the actual listener's favorite part of the show? We don't know that. We'll never know that. It's it's I think we'll we'll find out soon. Soon enough. Uh but it is Is that a threat? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh welcome to the listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show that until empirical evidence shows otherwise is everyone's favorite uh, the part of the show where I pose quiz questions to Carlos to convey the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms. Welcome back. No, actually, no. This is the this is not the season of woe anymore. The season of woe has ended. Uh, have we graduated? We have. We've graduated, but the the uh, the questions are still going to be increasing in relatability with each passing episode. Uh, but it's also the part of the show that's introduced by either a listener or an animal still. Um, if you would like to submit your own Measure Up intro, just say, sing, or bark the words Measure Up into your phone's recording app and email it to ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. Today, we have a new Measure Up, kind of, from another longtime friend of the show, Calvin. Hooray! Uh, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Hi, Kyle. 
Carlos, I'm eating some cereal. You have to say measure up. I don't want to say it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Calvin, no. I mean, somebody said measure up in it, so that's True. good. True. <laughs> Joy said measure up. That's great. But he Calvin, is you... eating cereal, and he wanted you to know. But he didn't want to say measure up. No, he didn't. I mean, I guess we can't make anybody do anything, huh? <laughs> Good. That should, should be how it is. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move right into uh, weight. Let's talk about length, actually. <laughs> uh, adult foxes of the Tibetan variety, they weigh uh, between 60 and 70. I mean, they are 60 and 70 centimeters. Man, I really want to. I can't wait till we talk about weight. Uh, but that is 24 <laughs> to wait. 28 inches. Let's call that 65 centimeters or 26.5 inches. How okay. many foxes go into the horn of a domestic yak? One horn? Yeah. Here's a hint. Because of a lack of arable land, many Tibetan farmers raise animals and cattle, including domestic cattle. Uh, with the, this this particular yak, the domestic yak, uh, has the binomial name Boss Grunians. And does that not sound like a Star Wars character? Yeah, it definitely does. It sounds like the, uh, the kingpin at some seedy tavern. It sure does. So you, is this the first measure up where I have to – where it's less than one? The answer is less than one? Is it going to be 0.75 foxes? It's hard to say. Because then you would say, "I you could really trick me here." Because usually, when when the object is smaller than the animal, then you say how many of the object goes into the animal. But since you haven't done that, I would be led to say that that's probably not the case. But you're devious, and you seem to really hate me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna go with one. <laughs> One fox goes into one yak horn. Final answer? Yes. You are correct. It's one to one and a half. The domestic yak male's horn is 48 to 99 centimeters or 19 to 39 inches. It's a long horn. It is a long horn. Steakhouse. Uh, Let's move on to weight. I've been so excited to do that. Um, I know. Goodness. It's between 4 and 5.5 kilograms, or 8.8 to 12.1 pounds. Oh, my gosh. That's so specific, scientists. Uh, You couldn't (laughs) just round to one, huh? Uh, (laughs) Nope. It's 12.1 pounds. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, Well, I mean, I guess that's the highest that they've ever, the heaviest one they found is 12.1. Gotcha. So let's just round that out to, or let's average that out to 10.5 pounds how many foxes go into the weight of the world's largest rice dumpling huh here's a hint the dumpling (laughs) was made in yunlin taiwan by the yunlin county government (laughs) in 2005 why taiwan it's in a, it's in china well not really it's it's just no (laughs) it's just china adjacent Sure. That's this is a stretch. You can find something Nepalese. 
I was I just looked up the largest dumpling and I was hoping it would be Nepo, like it was at least Chinese. Okay, okay, okay. I'm always wrong with these two. I'm just not good at estimating anything. <laughs> I mean, I want to say 50 pounds, but it could be 3,000 pounds. I don't know what the I don't know what science has done to be to make this possible. Um, the, just the culinary arts are far beyond my speculation or imagination. Um, or interest. I'm gonna say 100 pounds. This thing's 10.5 pounds, so I'm gonna say a solid 11. Okay, 11 foxes. Yes. Final answer. Yes. The correct answer is 276 foxes. Uh, so much bigger. <laughs> 1,316 kilograms or 2,901 pounds. A ton of dumpling. Yeah, I mean, the government made it. <laughs> that, that's a waste of taxpayer dollars. It is. <laughs> it put Taiwan on the map, and that was the point. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, it, yeah. It put this, it put the Yunlin County, gov, uh, county on the map. And they were really vying for that position on the map. So they made the, a ton of dumpling. <laughs> yeah. Just to, just to trick me, too. Well, they wanted they wanted when people to be like, did you hear about what Yun Lin did? They, they made, like, a ton of dumplings. And they were like, well, how many? They were like, no, literally a ton. It's just one. One ton of <laughs> yeah. dumpling. Um, are we done? Yeah. Do you have any fast facts? I do. Let's talk about where it, its habitat. Uh, it likes to live in semi-arid and arid grasslands on the plateau. Sometimes makes, it hides. What? I said that makes one of us. I wouldn't mind spent, like having a hut, like a nice hut with Wi-Fi up there. Um, I like arid climates more than uh, hot and muggy ones. I like hot and muggy. That's nah, gross. Everything sticks to everything. And I don't want to go outside, but <laughs> arid and semi-arid. But in arid, but... everything chafes everything. Not me. <laughs> I thrive. Um, so that, that's because the the heights can be as much as seventeen thousand feet above sea level, um, all the way down to about two thousand. But still, two thousand is about the lowest level on the Tibetan on the Tibetan plateau. Tibetan. Um, Yes, to be no, I'm not saying it. <laughs> um, but 17,000 feet—that's higher than most mountains. So uh, up there, not a lot of vegetation can grow. They don't like to be around people or dense ve vegetation. They like wide open plains and essentially kind of a sparsely a sparse rocky place that in the videos looks a lot like Mordor. Cool. So here's what they like to eat, because there's not a lot up there. But there are rodents, hares, and marmots, which are the things that they usually chow down on. But their absolute favorite food is the plateau pika, which we hinted at earlier, and you're going to talk about more. Um, and it's also the thing that Sir David Attenborough erroneously called a rodent. <laughs> like we said, it's actually it's actually a lagomorph. Um, 
and uh, they're mostly solitary hunters, but they also mate for life, so they're solitary, but also romantic. Uh, they build their dens on slopes, and their pups stay with their parents until they're 10 months old. And cool. that's the end of my fast facts. Wow. Those are some fast facts. And they were pretty good, but they aren't as major as the major fact, which is happening right now. The Tibetan fox engages in what's called commensalism. Commensalism so sounds like... Do you? Um, I'll tell you what it is, and you tell me if you do it. Uh, commensalism is a form of interspecies cooperation where one species is benefited and the other is not benefited or harmed. Uh, sometimes I'll pick up a lizard and look at it for my own benefit, and the lizard is neither hurt, harmed, nor benefited from my interaction with it. There could be some psychological harm. But we don't know. We have no way of measuring that, so I have to I have to default to commensalism for that relationship. Every time you're having a bad day and you have to go pick up like your dog's poop, then they're engaging in in commensalism with you. Like you're not getting any no. benefit out of it. But neither they are. are they though. Yeah, sure they're they are. They're getting to go on walkies. No, but they don't benefit from you. They get scratches and things. <laughs> they don't care if they if their poop is left. They actually probably think it's really weird. So it's some sort so, of fascination. So that's it. more of a like a mutual, like you're you're zealously guarding their poops, and then you don't like even having to pick them up. So it's this like version of cooperation where nobody's benefiting. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, it's mutualism having a dog because they benefit from your care and protection, and you benefit from their just adorable faces and barks. Yeah. So you you mentioned it. Other forms of interspecies interaction include mutualism or symbiosis, which is when both species are benefited. Um, and then there's parasitism, which is when only one species benefits and the other is harmed. Uh, so, but, but commensalism is different than that because the other species the other species is not harmed, but they're not benefiting necessarily. Uh, so one of the clearest examples of commensalism is seen in remora fish that hang out around larger fish and eat like their scraps. Like if you look at a shark, those little fish are remoras and they're commensalizing with the shark. Um, I would also say that the Ethiopian wolf does commensalism when because it likes to hang out near cattle where there remember we talked about it in episode two of this show uh -huh. where there's the the cattle would stand over the what, big headed mole rats uh -huh. and um, the mole rats would hear the cattle know that the cattle are not going to hurt them and they would come out and about knowing that everything was fine but the hooves of the cattle would mask the the footsteps of the wolf and so the wolf would be able to eat the the rodents yes that is commensalism the You're getting do it. not benefit. I get what? it. Oh yeah, and I, and I don't know what the deal is with them and the the gelata. They they hang around together. I think it's the same thing. The sound of the monkeys masks the sound of the wolves. Oh, you're back to the Ethiopian wolf. Yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, dogs and can canadays also. Routinely engage in commensalism, uh, but specifically the Tibetan or Tibetan fox lives in areas like uh, of 
of Asia, like the Himalayas and uh, specifically the Tibetan plateau that have very high elevation. Uh, up there, it gets extremely cold, uh, and the ground conceals a layer of permafrost. Permafrost is a layer of dirt and rock that remains permanently frozen. It's usually just beneath an active layer, quote-unquote, um, of soil that's not always frozen. So there's soil, and then there's permafrost underneath it. Um, and it makes it difficult for things to grow. And there's another problem uh, with it that t- the Tibetan fox encounters. So in the Tibetan fox's range, the best thing on the menu, like you said, is pikas or pikas. Um, unfortunately for the fox, they like to burrow into the permafrost, which is difficult for the fox to get through. Um, they, why? They, the, my question is, why is it possible for the pika to get through it, but the fox has a hard time getting through it? I feel like if the pika can do it, the fox can do it. I, I think because as a burrowing animal, it just make it has no, no. Cause the, I don't know the Alaskan Pika, I don't think made its own burrows. It took burrows and found things hard to say. Don't know for sure, but they do. And here's the problem. The Fox <laughs> can't get in. Uh, so they follow around Brown bears and up there on the Tibetan plateau, there's very cool and interesting looking brown bears that are grizzly very like basically they're grizzlies they're very close to grizzlies i'm not sure if they have a different species but they are according to david attenborough like basically grizzlies with a different name they're Uh, grizzlies in all but name i had no idea that brown bears were in china yeah of course they're in russia you know about that so why can't they be in china um, so the, these particular brown bears have like these very interesting, like furry ears, um, that like are big and tufted and go look up a picture. It's cool, but they're exceedingly rare and apparently difficult to find. But the Tibetan fox finds them and follows them around <clears throat> because bears are strong enough to root out these pikas, uh, cause they can dig through the permafrost. They're strong enough and their claws are uh, stabby enough to do it. Um, so when they're digging, they dig in and then the pikas run for the hills where the fox is waiting to catch them to out of the frying pan and into the fire situation. Like yeah. the hobbit. Yeah. Uh, so because canines like to commensalate a lot, uh, it's possible that this behavior led to us having pepperonis in our houses today. Uh, Natural historians believe that dog domestication has lasted longer than agriculture, um, and fossils seem to suggest that dogs would follow human hunters in the same way that foxes follow bears, um, hoping to snag a meal. Uh, Dangerous dogs were killed off by humans uh, that were, you know, if they were sticking around the, 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 the tribe or the group um then they would just kill them off because they're dangerous and scary um but then friendly ones were rewarded so the friendly dogs were continuing their lineage where the mean dogs were not so over time dogs and people cooperated more and more and more until they were fully domesticated 
and there was lots of steps along the way, but that's the gist of the theory. Wow. So, so there you have it. Commensalism makes lifelong friends. <laughs> we, <laughs> we should commensalate with, uh, I don't know, other animals. Hawks? Do we, I wonder, like, what, like, examples of times when humans commensalated with other things. Like, we followed something around to get, like, you know. No? I mean, yeah. I guess if, you're, if you're a scavenger and you eat what another predator has left behind, you're commensalating. Right. That's true. Like vultures commensalate. I think unless they, that, unless they scare off the predator, in which the predator does not benefit, it harms them. Yeah, interesting. So it's all a matter of motive and perspective. So I guess the honey badger is another example. Like they commensalate with that type of bird. Oh yeah. They follow that bird because it leads them to honey. Well, now that's mutually beneficial because the bird wants honey too. Oh. The, so the the yeah they help each other the bird knows how to find the honey and the badger knows how to get the honey once they get there so they're they're like they're like two members of an rpg yes they're on a team they're the they're the the rogue and the and the and the knight yeah (laughs) they just need a wizard The bee is the wizard, and it, it's not doing well. <laughs> <laughs> the bee is the wizard. <laughs> I hate right. wizard bees. They're too smart. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. All right. Uh, well, that was the Tibetan fox. So go look up a picture of this thing if you have the opportunity and they're not driving. Because um, it's, a, it's, it's a sly, but I would say regal-looking beast. Also look up a picture of the, that crazy grizzly bear because it has adorable tufts on its ears. Basically a teddy bear. Yeah. Just don't treat it like a teddy bear if you encounter one. I think there's only like, there's there are a fair few of them in the wild, so there's a fat chance of that happening. But for you out there in Podcastia, be regal. Take advantage of the opportunities when they arise. And commensalate with other species, like the Tibetan fox here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Hey, LDT listeners, thanks for listening to another season of Interesting Animal Info. We forgot to say our thank yous last episode, so here they are, at the beginning of our 10th season. As always, we want to thank Brian, who creates all the art for each episode. If you haven't seen it, check it out at ldtaxonomy.com and take a look at some of Brian's other work at xnamaru on Twitter and Instagram. We also want to thank frequent contributors like The Pools and the barrel-chested woodcarver Tom. And don't forget the expert dog bark impersonator, Alora. Finally, thank you to my girlfriend, Johanna, who created some amazing LDT cover art, which you can see when you go and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We also want to thank my wife, Bibby, who puts up with us recording in the closet and helps me come up with all the good animal nicknames. As we grow nearer to our 100th episode, let us know what we should do to celebrate. Also, stay tuned for a special announcement. Life, Death, and Taxonomy is my favorite in the world podcast. <laughs> We're coming up on election season, and it's your chance to get out there and let your voice be heard. 
Yes, you have an opportunity to cast your vote for local and federal representatives, but more importantly, you'll have the chance to vote for the best segment of life, death, and taxonomy. Voting will start December 3rd on Twitter and Facebook. If you don't follow us, we are LD Taxonomy everywhere. Get out there and make your vote count towards the most important decision of 2019.